Well, before I begin, I just want to mention that uh, this is uh, Helen's last Sunday with us. Uh, she'll be uh, going on to North Carolina to spend uh, six months with Molly's sister. And we have enjoyed having her here very much, but uh, we have to give her sister a turn. So uh, safe travels uh, to, to Helen. And uh, just thankful also for uh, Annie Hyatt's successful surgery. She did very well, and uh, sounds like she's going to be in the Remington and on the mend for the next couple of weeks. So uh, we praise God for that as well. All right, so uh, our message today. Uh, in December 1982, uh, there was this fifth grade girl by the name of Samantha Smith. Uh, she was from Manchester, Maine, and, and she wrote a letter uh, to a premier of the Soviet Union, uh, um, Yuri Andropov, uh, and she asked uh, Mr. Andropov if Russia planned to, to start a nuclear war against the United States. Uh, and so she waited for a reply, and in uh, April of 1983, uh, Samantha got a reply from Yuri Andropov. He wrote a personal letter to her, and he called her a, a courageous and an honest little girl and assured her uh, that uh, he did not want to have nuclear war with the United States and that he was doing all that he thought he could uh, to prevent it. Uh, and in that letter, he even invited uh, Samantha and her family to come and visit him uh, at the Kremlin uh, in the Soviet Union, which they did in July of 1983. Now, here's where the story turns sad. Uh, Andropov died the next year in 1984 of kidney failure. Uh, but Samantha and her father also died the year after that in 1985. They died uh, in a plane crash. And I tell you this story because Jesus often told parables of, of what the kingdom of God is like. And we'll be talking about a few of them today. But, but the kingdom of God could not be more different than the world is today, right? We look at the world and we say, this cannot be what the kingdom of God is like, right? And, and it, it is not what the kingdom of God is like. It's, it's, it's just as different from what the world is today as Yuri Andropov was uh, from Samantha Smith, right? Uh, he was old, she was young. He was Russian, uh, she was American. Uh, he held the highest position of power and she was just a little fifth grade girl. Uh, who, who dared to write him a letter. Uh, so the kingdom of God is, is not like earth, and all uh, are invited to the kingdom of God, from the greatest, uh, the highest positions of power, like Yuri Andropov, to the, to the least of us all, uh, like Samantha Smith. Uh, all are invited. But there is urgency, isn't there? Uh, Andropov's death was not a surprise. Uh, he had uh, suffered total kidney failure uh, the year before, and he lived the last year of his life in a hospital. Everybody was just waiting for him to die. But obviously, Samantha Smith's death was quite a surprise, right? Uh, she got on an airplane, and the airplane crashed. And, and so it's just a, a sad, sudden, unexpected, and, and tragic end to her life. But it points out that we never know how much time uh, we have left to, to accept Jesus' invitation to the kingdom of God through faith in his sacrifice for us on the cross. And we are responsible for the decision that we make. And we'll see that today. Uh, so Jesus told four parables in Mark chapter 4, uh, and we'll look at all of them today. We saw uh, some of the parable of the soils last week. We'll revisit that one briefly today. But no one parable could possibly encapsulate what the kingdom of God is like. Uh, so Jesus told multiple parables on the subject, you know, examining it from uh, different facets, highlighting one aspect of it in, in each parable, giving analogies uh, from everyday life so people could understand what he was talking about when he was talking about the kingdom of God. And, 
you know, how do you take all these parables? How do you take the kingdom of God and, and sum it up in a single sentence, right? That's impossible to do. But, uh, you know, to give it my best shot, I, I would say simply uh, that the kingdom of God is, is God's unopposed reign over his kingdom. And I say unopposed because as of now, uh, we know that, that today, uh, for whatever reason, uh, within God's sovereignty and within God's will, he allows certain things to oppose his reign, like Satan, like sin, like death. Uh, so for the time being, uh, there are challenges to God's reign. We see it all over the place on this earth that we live in. But in the kingdom of God, none of these adversaries will exist. None of them will be able to oppose God's power. So in the parable of the soils, we saw various changes uh, to God's reign on earth, right? The sower sows seed, which is the word of God, uh, and, the, and, the, and the word uh, lands, the seed lands in four different kinds of soil, which represent a different uh, kinds of uh, the human heart and its receptivity uh, to the word of God. And so uh, these three of these types of soil, they represent the different kinds of, of ways that, that Satan opposes God and his kingdom and keeps the word from taking root in our heart. And we said last week that the, the, the soil on the hard path represents the heart that's been trampled down by sin, uh, unbelief, and apathy. It couldn't even begin to produce a crop uh, because uh, it was so hard and trampled down that before it could even begin to take root, uh, Satan can come and snatch it away. Uh, the seed sown in rocky soil represents uh, uh, a seed that, that got a start in growing. Uh, it sprouted up, uh, but then trouble and persecution make uh, following Jesus too hard, and quickly uh, it becomes uh, easier, more convenient uh, to abandon faith than it is to endure persecution. And in the uh, seed th sown in thorny soil, we also saw that that represented an individual uh, initial profession of faith, but the worries of the world and wealth and worldliness snuff out uh, the word before it can, can really grow. Uh, and, and so we see that, that so much in the world competes for our allegiance and for our attention. Uh, and Satan uses all of these things to distract us from the word of God, uh, from receiving the word and from allowing it to produce a good crop in our hearts. And we saw last week that only uh, the good crop uh, the seed sown in good soil would, would, would produce a crop that's beyond our imagination. And when Jesus spoke about the yield of this, of this good seed sown in good soil, uh, Jesus said it can produce 30, 60, 100 times uh, the amount of seed sown, which is really a euphemism to say uh, that, that it's unlimited growth when the kingdom of God uh, grows without opposition of any kind. So that's one aspect of the kingdom of God but only those with fertile hearts, only those whose hearts are of good soil and who continue to maintain hearts of good soil, uh, nourished by the seed of, of God, the word of God, will inherit this kingdom. So I want us to notice just from the parable of the soils that, that there is emphasis on the responsibility of the hearer to hear and respond. In fact, there are four parables in Mark chapter 4. Uh, in the parable of the soils and in the next parable that we'll cover, the parable of the lamp, uh, the responsibility to respond is on the hearer. And so Jesus is focusing on human responsibility to hear and respond to the word rightly in these first two parables. That's why Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But then in the third and fourth parables, Jesus' focus shifts. These two parables, the parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed, in those two parables, uh, Jesus' emphasis is on uh, God's sovereignty and his responsibility uh, to cause the seed to grow and flourish. 
So uh, those two parables, parables show that it's God who saves, God who sanctifies. Uh, he causes salvation, but at the same time, we are responsible uh, to respond properly to the word. And so these two truths have confounded the theologians for 2,000 years, right? How can they both be true? But the Bible consistently teaches that both are true. So we have two, par two parables in Mark about human responsibility, two parables in Mark chapter 4 about God's sovereignty and responsibility. I think we've, we've covered the parable of soils in enough detail now. Uh, so we'll look at the second parable about what the kingdom of God is like. And, and again, uh, it's about our responsibility to, to hear the word and respond properly. And if we do, uh, well, there is more detail in this parable about what the kingdom of God is like. So here's the parable of the lamp. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear." Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. All right, so it's obvious that the, uh, the, the key to understanding this parable is to understand what the lamp is, and I think it's pretty evident that the lamp represents Jesus uh, and his word, the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, obviously, if you're going to take a lamp and, and spend the time to light it, uh, you're not going to put it under a bed or under a bushel. You're going to put it in a high place so that it lights up the whole house. Now, Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world, right? So Jesus is the light of the world, and he represents the lamp. His light was not meant to be uh, kept for himself. He, he came and he shared uh, who he was. Uh, and so when he revealed himself to us, that was an indication that we are also uh, to share the word with everyone. We're not to keep this to ourselves. Uh, it reminds me of our, our candlelight service at Christmas Eve, right? We begin with one candle and we pass it down the rows until the whole church is lit. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what Jesus did. He was the light. He passed the light on to his disciples. His disciples passed the light to the next generation. 2,000 years later, here we are, uh, gathered in the church, uh, proclaiming the same gospel that, that, that his apostles proclaimed 2,000 years ago. So Jesus told his apostles, you proclaim the word after I'm gone. You go out, you make disciples. Uh, and so we are exhorted through the Great Commission to do the same. Now, the limiting factor in all of this that we see here is that not everyone will have ears to hear, right? As I said last week, uh, Jesus came and he offered good news to everyone who would hear. But what happened? The scribes and Pharisees, they rejected Jesus. They rejected his message. Even his family initially rejected his message, right? And they found themselves as outsiders to the kingdom, uh, where those who were gathered around his feet in Mark chapter 3, they heard the word, they listened to him, and they believed. And so just notice again that, that in the parable of the soils, uh, the emphasis is on hearing, and so is the case here. Uh, Jesus warns everyone to consider carefully what they heard. Consider what you hear. So even though salvation is all God's work, uh, Jesus in these first two parables says that it's upon us, it's our responsibility to hear this good news and to respond to Jesus. And we are accountable if we don't. So again, God saves, and we won't respond to the word unless the Holy Spirit does a work in us uh, and, and, and regenerate us, and yet we are still held responsible if we don't believe. So hearing the word makes us accountable to believe it and to obey it. 
And that's why it's important to be careful what we hear uh, and respond properly to it. And so in verse 25, Jesus talks about two consequences of what happens if you hear the word and respond properly or if you don't. And uh, to those who respond properly, we see that there are two other aspects of the kingdom of God uh, that uh, Jesus reveals here in verse 25. Uh, one is that the kingdom of God is yet future. Now, there is a future aspect to the kingdom of God. Jesus brought the kingdom personally when, when he came himself. He brought the kingdom of God uh, to earth, and he offered membership in the kingdom of God to all who would hear his message and believe. And that's happened in the past. Now, the kingdom of God resides on earth in believers through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is uh, Jesus' represent, representation on earth now as he lives on the earth through us. That's present tense, but there is still a future aspect uh, to the kingdom of God. And what we see here is that uh, the more we have, in other words, the more we believe, the more fruit we produce now, the more we'll be given uh, in that future kingdom that is to come. And so Jesus is going to come again. He's going to usher in this new kingdom. And for us, the more faithful we are now, the more we will receive later. So we learn that the kingdom of God is future. We also learn uh, that there will be no unbelievers there, right? Uh, even what they have will be taken away. Jesus will bar anyone who rejects him from the kingdom of God. And so those who reject Jesus have nothing. Uh, even what little they have will be taken away and they find themselves outside of the kingdom, uh, banished to hell for their unbelief. And so uh, this parable is a word of warning to all people who hear the word uh, to respond properly to it. There are only two destinations. You got the kingdom of God, uh, you can end up there, or you can end up in hell. And, and Jesus is coming, and when he comes again, he's going to reward his followers, and he's going to bring judgment to his enemies. And so Jesus puts the responsibility uh, on the hearer to hear the word and respond properly in these two parables. But now there's a perceptible shift in the parables. The first two parables are on human responsibility. And now the second two parables in Mark 4 are about the perspective of divine sovereignty and divine uh, responsibility. So the first parable uh, of the two about divine responsibility is the parable of what is called the growing seed, uh, verses 26 to 29. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Now, to me, this is the exciting, uh, reassuring, and comforting thing about our efforts of evangelism. Every time we share the good news, right, we probably walk away thinking, you know, I could have done a whole lot better. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't quite explain that right. I wasn't as eloquent as I should have been. I, I didn't really nail the answer to the question that they asked me. I just didn't, didn't get it right. Uh, and, and I wish I had another crack at that, right? We, we, we do that every time we walk away from an evangelistic experience. But here's the thing. We don't have to spend any time worrying about that. And worrying about those things is an absolute waste of time because what we see is that success doesn't depend on us. 
Now, success depends on God. God is the one who does the work. Once we scatter the seed, our job is done. Uh, God takes over from there. And so the kingdom of God is a mystery because we don't know how God grows the kingdom. And yet uh, God says uh, that he will grow the kingdom despite our flawed uh, and tainted attempts to share the good news with people. That's what God does. That's God's responsibility. Now, if you've ever planted anything, uh, you know how this works, right? You take the seed and you, 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 you mush it into the soil and you add some water and maybe you put some fertilizer in there and you take it out and you put it in the sunlight and you, know, you go back to check your flower pot the next day and there's nothing there. And then you check it the next day, nothing. The day after that, nothing. But then the day after that, like there's this little tiny green thing just popping out of the ground. Like, How did that happen? How is it that this soil has produced this sprout. Well, God made it grow. Uh, We just, we spread the seed. God makes the growth. And so this this parable emphasizes God's sovereignty and responsibility to make the seed grow. So in the parable of the soils, Jesus emphasizes a receptive heart. But here in this parable, uh, that shows that the life is actually in the seed, right? The life is in the seed. It's God's responsibility to, to make a heart receptive in the first place so that seed can grow in it. But when we receive the word, God makes that seed grow. Uh, When we scatter the seed, though, God does the same kind of work. It lands in various kinds of soil, and by God's will, uh, in another person's heart, it grows from a a seed uh, to a sprout to a full-grown crop. And we don't know how. That's the part of the mystery of God and the kingdom of God and of faith. God does the work. So the kingdom of God is like a barren field initially, and then uh, filled with uh, so much crop that it produces a harvest. But we also have to not get discouraged when, when these things take time, right? You have to have a lot of patience to have a garden. And Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not become discouraged in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So a crop planted in the spring is not gonna produce a harvest until the fall. And in the meantime, the farmer waits patiently and trusts God because God is doing the work. And someday in the fall, the harvest will be ready. Now, in verse 29, uh, Jesus talks about uh, this harvest and putting sickle to the, putting the sickle to the harvest when it's ready. And that could be a reference to each individual's salvation, or it could be a reference to Jesus' return when he harvests the entire uh, earth and the church, banishes those who are outside of the church, and harvests the church uh, into his kingdom. But either way, the point is that God controls uh, the growth and the harvest. So for us, we just sow the seed. God is the one who makes it grow. So that's the parable of the growing seed. Now, the second parable about divine responsibility is the parable of the mustard seed, which again emphasizes the point, uh, verses 30 to 32. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So that's what the kingdom of God is like. Now, the mustard seed is actually not the smallest of seeds in all the earth. It's very small. You see that uh, compared to the human forefinger and thumb. Uh, But Jesus was using a Jewish idiom here to talk about the mustard seed and its smallness. 
Uh, the mustard seed is the smallest seed back in that day whose diameter could be measured and whose weight could be, could be weighed. And so Jesus used this as kind of a metaphor for smallness. He did the same thing when he was talking about, uh, about uh, how, how, what we can do in Jesus' power. He said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to move from here to there, and it would obey you. And so that's the meaning of the mustard seed. Uh, but the mustard seed develops into a tree. Uh, and this is kind of what a mustard tree looks like. It's, it's really a giant bush, and it's not the most attractive of trees that you'll ever see, but it can grow up to 15 to 20 feet, uh, large enough so that birds can nest in it. I think the point of the parable is that uh, God's kingdom starts very small, from very small beginnings, uh, and it, became, it becomes large. And we, when we think about that, we think about the early church. Jesus said after his resurrection uh, to his disciples, you go into uh, the city and you wait until the Spirit comes. Uh, and they waited until Pentecost. Uh, and uh, uh, the Holy Spirit came on that day and 120 people were saved. And after that, the book of Acts continues to record. The next day, thousands were added to their number. The next day, thousands added to their number. Uh, and so the kingdom of God grows like that. And so now the church consists of billions of people uh, around the world. So that's what the kingdom of God looks like. It has humble beginnings, humble beginnings. And in fact, we would expect that because uh, the ruler of this church, the leader of this church, uh, was the most humble person who ever lived. He came to earth, abandoning his place in, in heaven, uh, took on human flesh, became a helpless baby, uh, depended on human people uh, to keep him alive, uh, lived a perfect sinless life, and then went to the cross to die for our sins, uh, paying a penalty he did not deserve to get us off the hook from the penalty that we do deserve. Uh, and that's the gospel that we preach. It's the same gospel his 11 disciples preached. And so the preaching of the word can bring all people under God's protective branches uh, if they have ears to hear, and God makes the word grow in their hearts. So those are the four parables. And now Mark kind of gives a summary statement here in verses 33 and 34. He says, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. So again, we see the division between the outsiders and the insiders. The outsiders get everything in parables. The insiders, Jesus explains. He granted the kingdom of God, wisdom and understanding uh, to these apostles because Jesus had chosen them and he had given them ears to hear. And their hearts were responsive. Now, they didn't understand everything, of course, right? They couldn't understand everything. But they knew their hope for salvation depended on Jesus. That's faith the size of a mustard seed. Even that kind of faith. If the object of the faith is Jesus Christ, that is enough faith. And Peter's a perfect example. In John chapter 6, when Jesus' teaching became extremely controversial to those who were listening to it, uh, the people all started to leave, right? They, they, they couldn't listen to his teaching anymore. And Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he says, will you go too? And Peter steps up, speaks for the 12 and says, uh, Lord, you have the word of life. Where else shall we go? Well, that's the right answer, isn't it? That's the right answer. We may not understand everything, but, but, but Peter understood enough to know that Jesus had the words that lead to eternal life. Uh, and he and his disciples weren't going anywhere. And they proved to be uh, part of Jesus's faithful following. Now, that's not to say that they didn't stumble. Of course they did. But after his resurrection, when they understood more, well, they became uh, great evangelists. So uh, Jesus continued to reveal more and more of himself uh, and his mission to his disciples as they grew in knowledge and understanding.
And Jesus does the same for us. Uh, you know, when we are good soil, when we are uh, working uh, to, to, to grow spiritually by reading the word, by, by praying, by keeping our hearts fertile to hear, uh, God will cause growth in our own hearts. And as we go and sow the word, uh, share the good news, Jesus will do the work of cultivating the seed we sow. So we don't have to do anything except spread the seed and watch how God makes it grow. So Jesus told four parables in Mark chapter 4 about what the kingdom of God is like. You know, obviously he didn't cover everything, but we can summarize what we learn in these uh, four parables uh, just quickly. From the parable of the soils, we learn that though many will reject Jesus, the kingdom of God is like seed grown in good soil that produces a harvest immensely greater than the amount of seed sown. From the parable of the lamp, we learn that, that, that uh, there will be rewards in heaven uh, for the king, in, the kingdom, uh, in the future kingdom of God for believers, and that there will be no unbelievers there. Uh, so everyone is invited from the greatest to the least, from the Urian drop-offs to the Samantha Smiths, all are invited, uh, and only those who hear and respond will inherit the kingdom of God. Then from the parable of the growing seed, we see that the growth of the seed and the multiplication of the kingdom of God is God's work. God is the one who does the work. And that's reinforced by the parable of the mustard seed uh, that started like it was a small little thing, but continues uh, to grow and grow and multiply. And we know that Jesus told many other parables, right? Mark even says so. Jesus told uh, with many similar parables, it says Jesus spoke the word to them. Mark chose to record only these four. We see, if we read the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Matthew, there's a whole bunch more parables. Mark only chose to record these four. And I think Mark had a reason for including only these four. It seems to me that Mark's theme in presenting these four parables is that there are two responsibilities. There's human responsibility and there's divine responsibility. Uh, so as hearers of the word, we are responsible to cultivate good hearts that continue to respond properly and to bear good fruit. And that's the first two parables. Those are the lessons there. But then in the second two parables, Jesus teaches that by some unexplainable, uh, inscrutable mystery of God, ultimately it's God who causes the growth. It's God who prepares the soil. It's God's work to grow the seed. So here we are. Is it God's responsibility or is it our responsibility? Yes, it's God's responsibility and our responsibility, but it's God's responsibility. He is the one who makes it grow. We maintain our own hearts. So if it's God's responsibility, does that mean we do nothing uh, since it's God who causes the growth? Well, of course not. We are sowers. We spread the seed. We should live our lives as though the growth depends on us, even though it depends on God, even though it depends on God. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing we ought to do is we ought to be seed sowers, right? Seed can't grow unless it's planted. That's why Jesus preached. That's why the apostles preached. That's why we preach. So we scatter the seed with all our might, with all our hearts, as though the kingdom of God depends on us. Our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, they all need to hear the word of God. So we need to have the courage to share it. And we may not have the answers to all of their questions, right? Uh, but we can always go look it up and get back to them. Uh, but remember, we don't have to have the answers to all the questions because the growth of the kingdom of God doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. Uh, he'll grow the seed that you plant if it's his will. So be seed sowers. 
But secondly, we need to be good soil. We need to continue to cultivate our own hearts. And we do this by intentionally being in the word, by being prayerful, by spending time with God, by developing our relationship with him. So as we read in the parable of the soils, there are so many things that compete uh, for our attention. The the, the pressures of persecution, uh, paying the bills, pining for material things, prioritizing earthly treasures uh, over uh, heavenly treasures uh, can crowd out the word and and stifle its growth in our hearts and make us unproductive. Uh, But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we spend so much time worrying about, these things will be added to you also. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Be good soil. That's what we do. Being good soil means seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So be seed sowers, be good soil, and finally be prepared. Jesus could come today. Are you ready? Am I ready? I have no idea whether Urianne Dropoff or Samantha Smith were believers, but I do know this. You and I are all going to die too, just like they did, unless Jesus Christ returns first. I hope you're encouraged this morning. We're all going to die. But I hope Jesus returns first before we do. But if he doesn't, uh, we need to be prepared. And since we don't know when Jesus is coming again, and we don't know when we're going to die, we'd be wise to be prepared to see him face to face. So believe the gospel. Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. And he has done that so that we could have eternal life. So we need to believe this, and then we need to sow this word that he's given to us, uh, and we need to trust God to make it grow. So, so trust him. Sow seed. Sow the seed of the word that he's given you. Trust him to make it grow. Make disciples. Be productive soil. Uh, produce a harvest. Our work here isn't done. God can do incredible things uh, through us, and that's why we're, we're working hard to try and uh, see if it's, it's possible that, that God would grant us the blessing of starting a Spanish-speaking ministry in this church. And the whole vision behind that is the parable is in Mark 4. We, we are meant to sow seed. A sower went out to sow. And so we're trying to go out and sow the word as much as we can. And we pray that God will use uh, those efforts in our ministry to, to do a mighty work to produce a massive harvest So we're spreading seeds, we're praying that God causes the growth, and we're waiting to hear uh, the precious words of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Lord God, we thank you for these parables uh, that that show us a little bit of what the kingdom of God is like. And and I pray, Lord, as, as we think about what the kingdom of God is like, that Uh, Lord, you will rule and you will reign there uh, unopposed and that uh, there is is no sin and there is no Satan and there is no death there. Lord, I pray that our hearts would yearn for that kingdom to come and Lord, that we would be eager uh, to share the good news of that kingdom with others so that uh, we will produce a massive harvest 30, 60, 100 times, Lord. Uh, Give us the power and the courage to do it, Lord, and let us sit back and watch you as you do the amazing work of, of, of just making this harvest and making it grow. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.